and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, it's how new people find the podcast. And to encourage you to do that, I've started reading five-star reviews verbatim here on air. Make me say anything you want. But keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. And today's five-star review comes from Toehold. Toehold's review is entitled, Podcast Pleases Proper Paladins. Here we go. Greetings, heretics. Jolly laugh. Paladin Dodd here. As a devoted servant of Kalimrov, I try to balance my day between killing non-believers and burying their unworthy corpses. As this process can be lengthy, I turn to the Tome Show to keep me updated and informed. Whether I'm digging graves, constructing cairns, or simply burning them to ash as the wizard is always insisting. I have a way to get the latest news and reviews on all the Dungeons & Dragons related content. Praise Kalimrov! Remember, folks... Don't leave those randomly encountered bandits and bugbear lying around to rot. Think of your fellow adventurers and the dreadful smell, and just take time in your short rest to bury the fools. This has been Kalinth Dodd, Paladin of Kalimrov. Uh, thank you so much for that review, Toehold. If you want to make me read something in a weird voice uh, and hear me attempt to do it here on air, uh, go ahead, head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Please use the affiliate links at tomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild. Holidays are coming up, people, and you're going to be getting presents for those DMs and other folk in your life. Go to the tomeshow.com before you go to Amazon or the DMs Guild, and then just click on the banners in the show notes. There's like 20 per page. Click on any of the banners and then shop as you normally would. We get a few pennies on the dollar from that. Uh, And you could really help fund the tome, the show you love this holiday season, not by paying anything extra, just by going there first before you shop online. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, OpenGamingStore.com. They have an exclusive deal for Tome Show listeners, which is if you enter the coupon code TOMESHOW2016 at checkout between now and February, you will get 10% off your order. Check out OpenGamingStore.com. My product pick for this episode is Dungeonology. That's right. It's a hardback book from Wizards of the Coast that presents the the Forgotten Realms in an exciting and fun interactive style. It is a really cool book and it's on sale at OpenGamingStore.com right now. Go check it out. And now, here to tell us all about what Open Gaming Store is, is a super awesome special celebrity guest, is the one and only Dark Elf, Drizdo Erden. Well, Helen, well met. It's me, Drizdo Arden, and I'm here talking about OpenGamingStore.com because Wizards of the Coast has stopped my novel line, and I need to do something to fill.
kill the coffers, and apparently I've been reduced to celebrity appearances on mediocre RPG podcasts. I mean, thanks for having me on and everything, but I will tell you, as much as I may dislike my new position here in life, I love OpenGamingStore.com. They're uh, an amazing game store that exists online. I have a lot of free time to kill right now since no one is writing novels about me, single tier, and I can get all the gaming products to fill my time over at OpenGamingStore.com. PDFs, hardcover books, and all sorts of amazing accessories like dice and onesies for little babies. Anyway, Drizzt Orden here, signing off. Thanks. All right, today we are talking about a National Post article about why playing Dungeons and Dragons is a female empowerment tool. Uh, but first, we are going to meet our panel and kick things off with our get to know you question. What is your favorite non Dungeons and Dragons tabletop RPG? Uh, why don't we start with you, Liz Tice? Welcome back. Hi, it's great to be here. Um, my favorite non-D&D RPG is definitely Hollow Earth Expedition, which uses the Ubiquity system. I first tried it out at Gen Con, oh goodness, probably four years ago now, and I just fell in love with it. It's a pulp adventure RPG, and I just find it's so fun to, you know, basically describe essentially a movie, a pulp adventure movie, sort of like Indiana Jones, um, except it can have dinosaurs and monsters yes. and <laughs> Nazis with magic. So <laughs> I just I love it so much. Not a ton of people are aware of the RPG, but it's one of my favorites to play at Gen Con because that's where you can find people that play everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally on board with that. That is a great pick. So and I have never actually played. I've only read the materials, but I love what I've read. It's so cool. Allison Rossi, you are also back with us here at the Roundtable. What is your favorite non-Dungeons & Dragons RPG? Well, first off, hi there, and thank you for having me back. I would say that my favorite non-D&D tabletop is probably Stars Without Number, just because I don't get to play a lot of tabletop games outside of D&D. Mm -hmm. So when I do, it's usually my online group on Roll20, and, and you know, one of the guys who's normally a player, he runs Stars Without Number for us. So it's definitely a very different uh, game, you know, being a little bit more, you know, out in space, and, you know, we have our own ship and whatnot that we, we take to different planets to do different quests. So I think that's a lot of fun to play, and it's it's good because it's a group of people that I know that I've been playing D&D with for, like, three years now. So I have a lot of fun playing that. Yeah, yeah, that is another good one. And another one that I've just read about and never actually played. So I feel like everybody's nerd cred uh, is way <laughs> higher than my own here, which is awesome. Uh, and Darcy Ross is with us. Darcy, welcome back. Uh, what is your favorite non-D&D tabletop RPG? It breaks my heart to be asked this question because I have too many that I've been uh, playing with and really wanting to play lately. Um, Stars Without Number is one of my white whales. I've owned it forever and I just look at it lovingly and someday I'm going to run the dang thing. Um, and Hollow Earth Expeditions I hear great things about. I do have a top uh, number one RPG and that is Numenera. It's uh, mm. by the Monty Cook Games. It's a cipher system. Far future Earth technology is so advanced that it seems like magic. Lots of wacky mollusks and uh, just a beautiful <laughs> setting, beautiful, smooth rule set that I've introduced a lot of new people to tabletop with. So that definitely holds the, the top priority in my heart. But I've been messing around with a lot of other games. Ten Candles lately blew my mind around Halloween. So Ten Candles is in danger of becoming my favorite, maybe non- <laughs> 
non-D20 using game. <laughs> oh, wow. So what is what is 10 Candles about? I have not even heard of it. It is so good. It's slightly new, but it you have 10 tea light little candles and you light them all. The world has gone dark. Something terrible has happened. You play a group of people who are trying to go survive out in whatever horrible uh, apocalypse situation has happened. But it's kind of a dark, morose kind of story as opposed to like explosions and um, apocalypse. You go in knowing that everyone dies at the end. We all die. And so you'll have your death scene. Um, and so it's this kind of like dreadful creep toward the end. And as you know, you go through scenes and uh, you blow out a candle. Um, there's a little bit of dice rolling, but you know, you slowly blow out the candles until you're in a totally dark room all at the end. And there's sort of some phrases you state together. Um, it's just really powerful. They have a thing where you record your character introductions at the beginning and then you play it at the end. And we had people openly weeping. It was so intense and good. Wow. I can't get over her. Well, I'm that sounds awesome. That right now. Just yeah, go play it right now. Awesome. It's so easy, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good one. And like you said, probably great for around Halloween and everything. Um, right. Whew, powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And, uh, of course, Numenera, uh, I feel like we'd be remiss to not mention the amazing Cypher Speak podcast oh, uh, you. that you host, Mercy, where you talk about Numenera and other Cypher System games. Um, yes, we do. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, so check that out on the amazing Misdirected Mark Podcast Network. Speaking of powerful games, that's sort of a, a great jumping off point to get to our main topic, um, which is this National Post article, which is entitled, Why Playing Dungeons & Dragons Has Left Me Feeling Empowered in a Way Beyonce Never Has. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the woman who wrote this article is named uh, Tina Hassania. She basically goes on to talk about how she thought Dungeons & Dragons was for a particular group of people. And so when she was invited to play, she was like, dragon's not really my thing, guys. And then she did play it, and she loved it, and she felt a uh, very empowered by playing Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so I have assembled this panel of amazing women, amazing humans, uh, to mm -hmm. talk about this article, um, mostly because I don't know how qualified I am to talk about female empowerment. And uh, you guys know tons about role-playing games and tons about, obviously, being women, since you are them. So I wanted to just... Uh, discussed this article because it kept coming up in my newsfeed, and the woman who wrote the article has been interviewed uh, a bunch about it and everything, and I think it's gaining some traction in the media, which is a really good thing. You know, I want D&D &D to be a thing that appeals to more than white dudes like me. So I think this is, you know, this is a good thing. It, it sort of opens those doors and, and gets more people involved, makes the industry healthier in a lot of ways. Uh, but I wanted to, to talk about it from the perspective of, of role-playing games because the features of D&D she's calling out as empowering are not specific just to Dungeons & Dragons. They really are encompassed in all tabletop role-playing games. Uh, so... With that in mind, uh, Liz, why don't you start us off? And my question is, what did you think about D&D &D and tabletop RPGs before you started playing them? Who did you think that these games were for? And I feel like you maybe have a bit of a unique perspective because of your dad. Yeah, so um, I started playing them when I was really young, like I'm pretty sure about five or six. So for the longest time, I just thought 
they were for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it with my parents and then their best friends had a son and daughter. We all played together. We we um, did gaming into the New Year's for many, many years. We would play D&D until the kids fell asleep or <laughs> when we were older until midnight. Um, and we, my dad would usually always run the games. Um, and it wasn't really until high school that I realized that it was quite weird um, <laughs> compared to, you know, most groups for a girl to be playing. It wasn't until I noticed that my boyfriend and all of his friends had a, a D&D game and they were shocked when I asked to play with them. Um, and I was the first girl that they had in a group. Um, and I will never forget, um, my dad actually ran a game for them and they thought it was the most epic thing ever <laughs> that, you know, this girl's dad, um, you know, played D and was a, a dungeon master and, um, you know, they still talk about it when I see them. <laughs> like, hey, you remember that time your dad ran a D&D game? It was so cool. Um, <laughs> and when I went to college, you know, I, I tried to find a basically club to play D&D when I was there. And, you know, I didn't really stick with it because I just, it wasn't that they didn't make me feel comfortable. I just didn't really drive with any of the all guys that were in that club. And I continued to play D&D and other RPGs. And it wasn't really until I joined the industry um, and, you know, started working in it that I realized how hostile some groups are to having women in them or women playing or even women in being in the industry. And it kind of broke my heart because this thing I loved all my life had this dark side that I didn't really even know about. And I feel really lucky that I didn't really realize it until I um, came into the industry. But now I'm, I'm really becoming quite passionate about making every, you know, gaming environment as open to women as possible, uh, which is one of the reasons why before I start any game, I start having discussions about, you know, what is this table going to be like? What are we going to talk about? How are we going to talk about women in our games? It's just, I, I didn't realize until recently how lucky I had it and how lucky I was to think that it was for everyone. Yeah. That statement about not realizing things is sort of ringing true for other parts of culture at the moment. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that your perspective is a particularly unique one because you grew up with Dungeons and Dragons in your home. You know, you were playing before uh, anybody I know was of, of our generation, which I think is, is really, really great. Allison, you're sort of at the other end of the spectrum. You didn't come to Dungeons and Dragons until you were in college, right? Um, so what was your perspective of who the game was for before you played it? So I actually started right after college. Um, oh. But, you know, before that, When I was young, I thought that, like, tabletop games, you know, only knowing Dungeons & Dragons was just for, you know, really hardcore nerdy people who did legitimately live in their parents' basements, you know, I didn't think that, (laughs) yeah, I didn't really know much about it, I was, I was a PC gamer at the time, and I played, like, MMORPGs and stuff, and I was like, yeah, that stuff's kind of cool sounding, but that's not really for me, I play them on the computer, and I go outside, because, you know, I'm not that nerdy, but then, (laughs) you know, I got into college, and I joined a co-ed fraternity, and, you know, one of the guys that, that eventually joined, he mentioned that he liked playing, um, you know, tabletop role-playing games. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, that sounds like a lot of fun. And he's like, yeah, I miss running games, you know, now that I'm in college, all my friends are at home. And I was like, well, if we can get enough, you know, people in the fraternity to play, do you, do you 
want to run a game? And he said, yeah, sure. So we asked a couple of the, you know, people who lean on the nerdy side and we ended up putting together a Gamma World group. So that's what I played in college. So every Thursday night we'd get together and we'd play Gamma World and drink and then we'd go out to parties or whatever afterwards. And like, it was just so much fun. I had all these ideas that it was just going to be for like the legitimate basement dwelling nerds. And I was completely blown away by how much fun it was and how much freedom that you have to kind of do crazy things with your friends and, you know, spend the entire night laughing at each other's, you know, misfortunes or, or successes. <laughs> so I had this kind of, you know, idea that it was going to be, um, just too weird for me and the people would be too, uh, socially awkward and uncomfortable to play with, but I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and then after college, I kind of came into D&D because, you know, I heard about this D&D Next stuff and I was like, what is that? You know, <laughs> sounds like it sounds like, you know, more D&D. I don't know what this next bit is, but, uh, you know, I found a group on Reddit and, you know, we we all met together one day and it, it ended up working out. You know, there was a uh, two other women in the group. So it was a very, you know, balanced group. There was uh, two guys and three girls, me being one of them. And, you know, I never really thought that it would be an unwelcome uh, experience being a woman. But, you know, when I went to Gen Con and, you know, my experiences there, I definitely got the whole, you're a woman, you're not really welcome. We're not really going to talk to you. We're going to pick you last or give you a table last. Mm. Um, so thankfully, you know, never at my personal tables have I experienced it. But, you know, in, in other outside groups with people I don't know, you could definitely get the sense that women aren't as welcome or desired to be in the group. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that is uh, a, a hard thing to reconcile when you hear stories yeah. about certain groups doing that and women feeling uncomfortable or not welcome or, or making it feel like they don't even want to attempt to play the game because of the way a, a particular group might act. Right before I started DMing, um, I was talking to to my group that, uh, you know, I found on Reddit that we were playing in person. And, you know, I mentioned, oh, you know, after I went to Gen Con for the first time, I really want to become a dungeon master. I'm, you know, playing is fun, but I want to run games. And I remember, uh, you know, my friend John, you know, bless him, he kind of pulled me aside and he was like, Allison, I, you know, I don't know how to say this, but... I don't really feel comfortable with you DMing mostly because I'm afraid of how people are going to treat you. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, look, I've been playing games for years and I know that some people are really harsh and really cruel to women who want to play games or want to run games. So just, you know, I know that you want to do it, but please do it with a group that you trust first because I don't want it, you know, I don't want you to get a group of guys that don't like women to sour the experience for you. So it was kind of like, wow, you know, I've had all these groups that have been welcoming to women and all of a sudden, you know, one of my good friends that I play games with is telling me, you know, please be careful or please, you know, just don't set your expectations too high with the people that you might be playing with. So it was kind of like, wow, you know, that hit me in the face. Like, oh, do I really want to do this? And and chance that I'll get a group that doesn't like women and is going to make my, you know, experience miserable. So thankfully, I got a really good group of people and, and, you know, that didn't happen. I'm very, very thankful for that. Yeah, wow, that story is a is a gut punch for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Darcy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you also came to role-playing games a little bit later in life. So what was your expectation before you started playing, and then what was it like after you started playing? Yeah, so I have a, a little bit of a weird um, relationship with it because I was a weird kid who read too much and didn't have a lot of friends when I was very young, and so... I read a lot of like Lord of the Rings and I was teaching myself 
you know, the elven script and engaging as much as I could with lots of fantasy literature, right? I think related to Lord of the Rings, that must have been where I, you know, got a sense of D&D existed. And I wanted to play so bad. Um, Wizards of the Coast used to have like a, a brick and mortar store in a mall by my house when I was a kid. And so oh, yeah. I was like, right? So I was too short <laughs> to really see most of the books. I was so little. But, you know, they had those 3.0, mm-hmm. you know, shiny new Dungeon Masters uh, guide, monster manual, all that stuff. And so I, I like longed for them. It was the puppy in the window. I wanted it so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I played a lot of like video games that were sort of fantasy fightery things too. So I wanted to play so bad. So I eventually like got a hold of a book or two. And, but I didn't have any friends to play with and I didn't have anyone to teach me and the rules were really arcane. So I remember my first experience was like getting a bunch of graph paper and drawing myself a little dungeon and making my sister and her friend who had slept over like write up characters, which were probably almost certainly incorrect. And we like, I ran them through a dungeon. So that was, that was like my first experience. And so I always wanted to play it. So I think who I thought it was for was for big nerds. And I'm like, I'm a big nerd. Mm -hmm. This is for me. (laughs) Um, Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got a little bit of a chance to play in high school with some, uh, with a bunch of girls. So I've kind of always played with girls around, which has been cool. Um, But then I didn't really get in college. I really was never able to like get a, uh, a group down. Um, And so I just like, read about them all in college and really wanted to play. And then uh, in grad school, I got, I just, it was sort of this explosion of people who are willing to play RPGs with me, people who already knew how to run. Um, I went to Gen Con and just like, uh, just like Allison, I, I went to Gen Con, I played in a Numenera game and it blew my mind open. So, so huge. Um, I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so I dragged it home and I'm like, I'm going to be a dungeon master now (laughs) after many years of just playing. Um, And so since then I've, you know, run a lot of demos and things. And I think I have experiences that call back to both of both of your experiences, uh, ladies, running a lot of demos and just being around big cons. I've run into some not so great experiences, but for a lot of home games and people who I know, I've had really, really powerful, good, healthy comfortable, uh, comfortable games, which really, you know, kind of keeps me going when I have sort of a bad run in with someone, or I think I've been the first female GM for a lot of people. (laughs) And so that's always just, you know, it takes a little getting used to for some people, you know, sometimes it goes better than others. (laughs) Before, I think I thought it was for big nerds and I, I still think it's for big nerds, but I think, (laughs) I guess one thing I would say is I've run a bunch of like really short gorilla demos of Numenera at the Adler Planetarium in Chicago at this like nerd night. So for a bunch of people who like don't know what an RPG is, would like sit down on my table for 20 minutes and would play an adventure in far future space. And seeing them take to it so well and enjoy it so much, uh, that's really spurred me to believe that RPGs are for, I mean, just people. I, I really think the group of humans that it, that could benefit from playing them is everyone, right? So I think that's been kind of something fueling my efforts lately is just that there there are so many diverse RPGs, so many diverse kinds of experiences. There's something for everyone out there. And um, so I've been even more annoyingly evangelical about grabbing people to come play games with me. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And that's, you know, I think it's it's good work that you're all actually doing because you all sort of 
help not only do you play role-playing games and are role-playing games a part of all of your lives, you also help spread the gospel of role-playing games more than the yep. average <laughs> player does, right? Um, which, is, which is really, really good, again, from a perspective of it's a small industry, we need a ton of people to come in it, you know. Um, and I think it's great, too, when, when people who maybe have played D&D learn about other games, too, because that really enriches you like oh you know i don't want to go kill a bunch of goblins and take their stuff tonight but i do want to spend time in space or i do want to spend time with a cool one shot and and play fiasco or something like that darcy we have to have you back on for an advice episode to talk about how to run a 20 minute role-playing game oh yeah yeah that's Um, short wow it's short (laughs) but it was cool i i have some thoughts there's some streamlining to be done So, but let's, uh, back to the article. Before this article came out, before you had read this article, uh, did you think of role-playing games as a source of female empowerment? And do you now, after reading it, or do you still, or, you know, where did you lie before and where do you lie after reading this article? And uh, why don't we start with you, Darcy? All right. Uh, there was one quote from the article that really stuck out to me. So, b- before... I definitely felt like GMing was pretty empowering as as a female. I can create worlds that turn biases on their heads. And playing, too, though. I get to play characters that let me uh, explore being a different type of person. Being a woman, but um, being a woman of color from a specific, you know, I, I would do a lot of research into, you know, trying to the best of my ability to, like, learn about people from other cultures and uh, understand, try to think about and explore what what it might be to be like that. So I don't know that I had been thinking about it as female empowerment necessarily um, until I started GMing, but it was definitely kind of an empathy building experience. It definitely let me think about identity in, in a lot of different ways. So the quote that stuck out to me from this article was, uh, D&D offers a safe space to try out different identities, ideas, voices, mannerisms, roles, attitudes, story turns, and ways of thinking. Um, it's a perfect game for someone still coming to grips with who they are and trying to understand their place in the world. Um, and I think that that totally nails the experience for me. So I, I think that exploring identity is something that I always saw it for. Um, and that's that's come out through friends exploring sexual identity, right? Like mm-hmm. I know a friend of mine as a young boy was uh, would play female characters and was sort of exploring, um, you know, kind of understanding what it meant that to be gay a little bit, right? So I think before he had come out, that was a way that he was able to sort of explore that safely, right? But I think the article makes a good case for it being a way to be female empowerment. I think the author talks a lot about um, being a really like being really into battle in a way that she didn't think she could, but really that kind of represented a way to be assertive in a way that she wasn't finding herself to be in life. And I thought that was kind of enlightening. I think she has a point. D and D and other RPGs are such a good opportunity to explore any kind of identity. And I think GMs are in pretty unique roles to build worlds where, you know, our everyday biases and systemic imbalances don't exist in that way and sort of force us to rethink about uh, ways that the world is now and does it have to necessarily be that way or is that is that baggage we're carrying from historical humanity, right? Um, so something I like to do in games of mine is I have this adventure called Old Lady Nin in the Swamp. And um, basically there's this like old warrior woman who saves the party and then calls in a favor, right? Um, And they get there and when they see her, she's like all hooked up to like horrible cyborg machines and she's got a young daughter. And so she's like, she's too old. So everyone assumes that she's super evil, right? And so because, you know, an old woman can't have 
like a young daughter and be super powerful. But in Numenera, of course she can. Like that's just, that's an internal bias, right? And so it's just fun to play with players' expectations. And I think that can be really informative. And I think it can be empowering, especially as a player. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, that's uh, probably even more in-depth than uh, than it gets into the article. But I do think that you're getting at the core of, of what she's trying to get at, too, as far as taking on a role can go, right? Mm-hmm. Being taking on a role in a role-playing game. Uh, Liz, what about you? Before you read the article, did you think of this as a source of female empowerment? And what do you think now after reading it? You know, I never really thought about it as empowering for players. I know I felt very empowered, um, you know, knowing RPGs and, you know, having played them before when I was working in the industry because I was able to say, no, really, I can discuss your game (laughs) and I'm the person that you need to deal with to get this job done, right? So it was sort of (laughs) um, tackling two stereotypes at once, you know, women in the hobby and women in the workplace having power. But after reading the article, I can definitely see what she means and where she's coming from. That's sort of how I felt about acting um, when I was in high school and in college. You know, whenever I was in a role or doing improv, I was sort of able to play with these these um, characteristics that weren't necessarily reflective of myself, but maybe something I I sort of strived for. So whether that be more outgoing or being able to speak my mind. And, you know, I, I was in the cast of the Bristol Renaissance Fair in Kenosha, Wisconsin for a number of summers. And I really was had a safe space to sort of try out being more outgoing, try out being more assertive in a space where I was able to do that because I could say, oh, I'm just playing a character. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the summer, I would feel more um, assertive and I would feel like I could be more outgoing. And so I can see how that can be done at the the table as well. You know, I didn't play very often during high school and college. It was more like, you know, once every month if I was lucky, more like, you know, every few months. And I think if I was playing more often, I would have have had the ability to sort of take advantage of that sort of female empowerment like she's talking about at the table. And now that I'm playing more regularly, um, I can see where that would be valuable for a lot of women. Um, But it wasn't something I really got to experience through D&D or RPGs as much as I did through the theater. But as many, many people point out, role-playing games is a lot like doing improv. So (laughs) I think essentially (laughs) it was very much the same thing. And you know, I, I really do understand where she's getting at. And it's all about having that safe space to try out different facets of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because my recollection of high school and college is wanting to play more D&D and not having the time because I was doing too many theatrical projects. <laughs> um, so that's <laughs> definitely something I can relate to. Uh, Allison, how about you? Uh, before you read the article, did you think of this as a source of female empowerment? And how do you feel now? I don't think I did before, just because I never really thought of it that way. Like, it was never really brought to my attention that it could be. But now that I read the article, I can definitely see how it can be. Um, You know, a lot of women are told to be certain things or act certain ways or, you know, you can't be assertive, you can't be pushy, you can't do this, you can't do that. But in D&D, it's not the same. You can play whatever character of whatever class and whatever race and whatever background that you want. You make that up yourself. 
Um, so I can definitely see how that could allow people to try out different parts of themselves that they didn't really think possible. In my case, you know, I have, in all games that I've played, generally played the support role. But with D&D, I can play whatever I want and not feel like I'm at a disadvantage. You know, if I want to be a bard, I can, but I can also be the fighter that's at the front. Um, if I want to be the face of the party, I can, but I also don't have to. So you can kind of pick and choose, um, you know, what parts of, of your life that you don't really get to do normally and do it in D&D if you want. So I think that's definitely very interesting. You know, if I want to play a male character, I can do that. If I want to play, uh, you know, an Aarakocra, I can also do that. <laughs> um, so, so D&D definitely allows you to kind of get that empowerment in the sense of I can be whatever I want. And I think it's an interesting way to kind of test those boundaries as well to to see if you're comfortable with certain things. So if you are, you know, someone who you're not sure if you're transgender or you're not sure if you're bi or gay or whatever, you can kind of safely experiment that, you know, within certain boundaries without making other people uncomfortable by seeing how you, you play it out as a character. So, yeah, I can definitely see where it could empower certain people, um, you know, especially with being a DM it's empowering in a different sense because you're the one running the game and you're the one making calls on roles. You're the one, uh, you know, facilitating things. If your players want to do something crazy, like, you know, jump off a chandelier and <laughs> polymorph into something crazy, like a, you know, a giant gorilla or whatever, you know, you, <laughs> you were facilitating <laughs> that at your table. I could really see it in terms of thinking back to out of the abyss, which I just finished running about two or three weeks ago where, you know, in Men's Baranzan, you know, it's a, a matriarchal society. So seeing kind of uh, how the women who run the drow town are is very, um, it felt empowering to be a female DM playing all these very strong uh, women who don't take lip from anyone and will, you know, kill you on the spot if you say the wrong thing to them. And it was also very interesting to see how my all-male table acted huh. uh, in a city run by women and how they had to change how they did things because they're like, well, what do we do now? We're used to dealing with mostly men and now we're, we're here in this drow city where they all want to kill us and it's run by women. So, so it's interesting, um, an interesting dy dynamic there to see as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have the, the power too, I guess, right. As, as you're exploring different worlds, you have the power to flip certain societal norms on their head, right? And, yes. and see how those play out. Um, so, you know, I think the drow, like you were saying, that's that's a good example. And it's also, you know, not all drow are evil. So you also can get into, like, an interesting space where there are these drow societies uh, that are not run necessarily by these totally evil beings, um, yes. you know, um, which is, it, it's cool. It's a, it's a great medium to play around with all sorts of ideas um, and, and to gain confidence. And that is good for all groups of people. My other question for you would be sort of the, you know, the headline of this article and, and a conclusion she repeats is that, Playing Dungeons and Dragons was more empowering for her than listening to Beyonce was. And, you know, I think what she's getting at is kind of like she goes on to say that, you know, it's great to have female role models who are some awesome, badass people. Uh, but it's even better when you get to be the awesome 
badass hero yourself. Uh, and so, do you guys think that in general, uh, RPGs are maybe a more powerful form of female empowerment than a role model? Uh, Allison, what do you think? That one's kind of hard for me, and you know, to to think about it, I do have some role models in general. I tend to stray away from like celebrity role models and and go more towards like scientists or, you know women who do great things and create cool stuff. Um, but at the same time, I feel like being your own role model is extremely important and, and seeing who you are and what you are and where you want to go in your life is extremely important for, for everyone to do, um, especially women. Uh, and I, I do think that RPGs can allow you to look inwards at yourself and see how you can be your own role model, see all of the the possibilities that you can do. Um, you know, if you want to be the one that slays the big bad in the game, then you can build a character that can help you do that. And you can coordinate things with your party to do that. Um, if you want to be the face that's talking to all of the extremely important people in the game, then you can do that. So, so yes and no. I think it's still important to have those outside role models totally. and even you know, base characters on those role models. Uh, so, so yes and no. Yeah, I think that uh, what you're saying about it's important to have role models, I think is very, very true. You know, I, I think yeah. uh, if it was like, well, women will be okay now that they can play role-playing games. So, <laughs> not, you know, that would defeat the purpose. We're good, I think, we're fine. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, Darcy, what about you? What do you think uh, about uh, role models versus playing a role-playing game as forms of empowerment? Yeah, I, I think it's more personal to play a character than it is to idolize someone that you're seeing on, on the outside. In one pretty important way, I think, failure is something that I'm really interested in in role-playing games, right? Like there's games like Fiasco where like failing is fun and failing is part of the game and failing means drama and failing means growth. And so I feel like with a role model, you're you're looking at the external successes and a lot of times you know that they're triumphing over pretty big obstacles but with role-playing a character, I think you get a chance to see someone on a more personal level failing and growing and picking themselves up again. And I think that's something I really like that I think role-playing games kind of uniquely give me compared to role models. I'll also say that a lot of the people in the game design community and the game thinking community, especially on G+, are designing games about empathy and about social justice and things like this. And so a lot of the people that I've met through gaming are also people who really think about empathy and inclusion. And so I feel like um, role-playing games has also brought me new role models of like people just, you know, living their life really well and really thinking and caring about other people and trying to navigate tricky situations in the best way. That's a topic for another roundtable, but I think I've gotten a lot of both things out of role-playing games. I've both been able to get this more personal building a character role model you feel. And I've also met people who I really respect and who I think are very emotionally smart, who I, I idolize, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's that's true. You know, thinking of role-playing games as an industry, right? There are right. people within that industry who are doing some really cool and innovative things with games. <laughs> and it's a great way to, uh, to, to find new role models as well. That's, that's a really, really good point. Um, because that's probably where a majority of my role models lie. Right. In industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Liz, how about you? How do you feel about role models, uh, versus, uh, role-playing games? 
Well, first of all, that was really great, Darcy. <laughs> I, I, uh, that's a approach I hadn't really thought of before. So thank you for that. Right. I know that for me, I, I'm a strong believer in role models and mentors, not just, you know, necessarily in RPGs, but I have a lot of role models and mentors um, through my various jobs, um, even previous jobs. And I think I think that they can have a larger impact than many people realize. I think RPGs provide a, a great opportunity to try out uh, emulating some of those characteristics that we really admire. Going back to that, that fear of failure, Darcy, mm-hmm. you know, we might say, wow, you know, my boss is just really assertive and she's not afraid to, you know, want a seat at the table and I want to be like that, right? Um, But you don't necessarily feel safe enough to try that out in the workplace yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can instead, you know, try out some sort of uh, similar thing in in an RPG or in, in any type of improv situation where it's a place where you can fail. And you're not worried about it impacting how people, you know, view you or, or uh, you know, think of you at work, right? So you can sort of have the safe place to practice to the point where you can be like, yeah, I think I can do a similar thing in work or at school or some other place where you might be afraid to have that failure. So I think in, an, in a sense, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, better than mentors or role models, but it's more like complementary mm-hmm. rather. Yeah, yeah, they go hand in hand and it feels like that's sort of, been what everybody's saying, right, is that you need both. And I think that that is really cool. And it's funny you say that about work, Liz, because I've had the conversation with my wife and with my mother and, uh, you know, other women that I know about how carefully certain things are phrased either in emails or meetings and things like that. And and I guess when you are playing like a badass barbarian, um, <laughs> you don't necessarily worry about how many times you should say sorry in an email or, or that. Oh sort my of gosh. Thing. Yeah. 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 Too real. <laughs> uh, Barbarian's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that is, uh, that's a, that's like a really good point that makes me sad about the real world. Um, but happy about RPGs. So when do you think RPGs are doing female empowerment at their best? And when do you think they're doing female empowerment at their worst? And Liz, why don't we start with you? Oh my goodness. I have so many thoughts on this, but I'll try to to sort of narrow it down. And I'm sure Allison and Darcy will fill in some of the holes that I won't have time to talk about. Talking about female empowerment, not just in the RPGs themselves, but sort of in the, the hobby as a whole, I think it goes back to you know, it doesn't really work if women feel like they can't be themselves or try new things because they have a fear of being judged, harassed, or mocked. You know, it's it's all great if there's, you know, fantastic empowering art in an RPG or, you know, there are games trying to bring more women into the hobby if the hobby itself isn't willing to embrace that. So, I think it's really important that, you know, if you're in a group that you're you're talking about um, how you can make women feel more comfortable in in your gaming group or at a hobby store or what have you. And I think that goes back to having those conversations of about, you know, what is your table going to be like? Is it, are you, how are you going to talk about women? Is your game going to be PG-13 or R? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the topics that you don't want brought up? And, you know, I've had these conversations with my groups and, you know, I have the stuff that I'm really passionate about, but, you know, some of 
you know, my group right now is all guys and they brought up stuff that I hadn't even thought about. Like, I really don't want us to talk about, you know, this particular topic in this way. And, you know, it was, we weren't all on the same page originally, but we all came to an agreement. And I think it's made just the environment that's much stronger um, because we don't have to worry about wading into areas that we aren't comfortable with. And yes. I think many, many people don't think they need to have that conversation, but you don't know whether or not you need it until you have it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important that groups start doing that, not just if, not even if they have a, a woman in their group, right? Regardless of who you have, you don't know what is important to people. You don't know what are, you know, areas that they don't want to talk about. And I think we just, as a community, as a hobby, need to start having those types of conversations so that everyone feels comfortable at their group, at their table, playing the game. Yeah. Wow. Well said. Well said for sure. Uh, Allison, how about you? Uh, when are RPGs at their best and worst as far as female empowerment goes? Well, you're giving me a, a tough one to follow up on there. <laughs> um, but I guess I will go with, uh, you know, kind of talking about it from a community perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think that with RPGs, it's all about the community and what they are able to facilitate for their players. So do you allow women at your tables? Why or why not? Uh, especially with the why not there. Mm -hmm. um, do you make people feel comfortable to join your table? It doesn't matter if it's just women or if it's, you know, other people. Do you, do you let, you know, people of color join? Do you let uh, children join? Um, how do you facilitate their joining your table? How do you let them be what they want to be in the game that they're playing? Um, I think that there's still a lot of issues with that where there's still a lot of gatekeepers who are, you know, grumpy old men who think that RPGs are just for, you know, the people <laughs> have been in this hobby for years and years and years, and they don't want anyone else at their table because you're a scrub or whatever it may be. Um, so I think it's about uh, educating people on how to play the games and, and welcoming them to your table and empowering them to play whatever. You know, I always tell my players that, you know, don't, don't feel like you need to min-max to have fun at my table. I want you to make what you want to play, and then as a group, we'll figure out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you know, I will kind of change the game that we're playing to fit your characters. So I think that, you know, when you tell people to, to have fun and worry about having fun over anything else, that's when people feel empowered and how women feel empowered at your table. The worst is when you get the people who they don't specifically say, I don't want you around or at my table, but they make you feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> be it at Gen Con experiences, you know, where, where I had a, a table where the, I ended up sitting next to the dungeon master and he kept trying to look down my shirt and kept <sighs> trying to shut down anything I was trying to do to the point where I, I got so frustrated that I walked away from the table and had to sit out for 15 minutes because mm -hmm. I was so annoyed, but I was there playing with friends and, you know, the rest of the table was kind of being shut down in similar ways. So I was just like, you know what, I'll get through this experience. But, you know, sometimes people make you feel not so welcome. And then, you know, to this past year's Gen Con where I had signed up to be, um, you know, a dungeon master for the very low level D and D stuff. And the guy that was kind of coordinating slash organizing it, you know, despite me being there early, sent me home the first day or well, sent me back to my hotel, like said, I didn't, I wasn't needed, but gave what? other people tables. Huh. And, then this, and then the second day when I came back again, I was, I was running a little bit late coming from a previous, um, whatever table mm -hmm. and 
he like wouldn't give me a table to run a game for. He just said, you can go sit over at that table and, you know, if we get people, we'll send them to you. But he gave other people tables to actually run games for. So it was kind of like just feeling like I didn't belong. You know, I was probably one of three female dungeon masters running Mm -hmm. D&D and, you know, taking the the guts to actually sign up to do that when I know how Gen Con is mostly men, it was kind of like, well, that kind of hurts. Yeah. Um, that that hurts a lot to, you know, first day be sent home and then the second day not even be given a table and, you know, it's given to other people. So it was, there's a lot of stuff that we can do to make people feel welcome. And that definitely wasn't <laughs> one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So that's that's kind of my thoughts there. Grr. Yeah. yeah. Big grr to that. It was that. a little bit frustrating. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's funny, it, what you are saying sounds to me like, man, I think a, a lot of this is people really need to like, put forth like the smallest bit of effort and be a yeah. human. And, you know, you can really make people feel more welcome at the at the table, especially if you're at a game store or a con and where you're running into people you don't know. Um, you may not even know you have the prejudices that you have, you know. Absolutely. And That's so, the hard part. Yeah. 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 Well, Darcy, what do you think? Um, when is female empowerment at its best and when is it at its worst in RPGs? I have a thousand opinions on this and I'm going to put them all aside for a moment and say and tell you the most important thing that I can think of related to this conversation. And that is I've had some bad experiences lately and I've kind of been able to recover from them and uh, get up the nerve to like, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to ostracize people who are who I really think are unconsciously being super sexist to me and and rude. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think they mean to, uh, in my particular experiences. I don't think they know that they're explicitly only doing it to women, which I've seen. But I've lately felt empowered to try to call in. Like, I, I want these people to understand how they hurt me, and I don't think they meant to, but there's this behavior they're doing, and wouldn't it be, <laughs> wouldn't we all be better if you weren't accidentally making women feel bad, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's been a, a goal of mine, but the only reason I'm able to like have the spoons for that is because there's a, a thing called the Cred Bureau. Do either of you women know about it? I do not. No. no. What is it? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. All the podcasters listen to this. Um, spread the word. It was originally called I've Got My Cred Right Here, Buddy. Um, and it's basically just a little support group that's formed online out of a Metatopia experience. And uh, it's basically a bunch of women and non-binary folk who have, there's a Google group, but it's basically, it's, it's just kind of a support group. It's a place to kind of vent when, or, or sort of sanity check, like, oh, this thing happened to me. Am I crazy? Or was that kind of sexist? And, or this thing kind of happened to me. I feel really bad. And a bunch of people pile in and give you support and, um, you know, share experiences and commiserate and come up with ideas of how to do better. There's conversations about how to how to bring something up to someone if something bad happened. Like if you want to turn it positive, there's lots of really smart, resourceful people there. Um, and it's just been life-changing. Um, I'm in the sciences and I want there to be something like that for women and people of color in science, right? Like that could go so far. Um, and it really has gone very far for me. So, And the only requirement for joining the Cred Bureau is that you verb games. They don't care what you do. You don't have to be a game designer. You don't have to be a writer. You don't have to be published. <laughs> you don't have to be anything. If you verb games, you're a woman, you're a woman or you're non-binary, Avanel Wing is the person to go to. We can maybe put a link in the show notes or something. Mm-hmm, but um, sure. I think this is a community where 
they're really building confidence in women. And I don't know, I've just learned a lot. I've just, I've learned a lot from it and I feel like I've been stronger for it. And I'm able to, I was able to jump back from like some really crappy experiences that happened to me. Um, and I just, I mean, when I, when it happened, I basically moped in my room all day for a con because it was so bad. And I messaged the, the bureau and they just piled on with support and, um, and we're really respectful. It's just, it's a great thing. And I think that is going to go very far for keeping women who have bad experiences in and just training people how to be better to each other. And um, yeah, I think that's a really important resource with respect to female empowerment. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I sorry, been... that was exactly an answer to your question, but it's important. <laughs> <laughs> it is important. Wow. Yeah. So I had no idea that this, uh, the, the cred bureau even exists. So we'll, like you said, we'll definitely put a link in the Thank show you. notes. Um, so, so people can, uh, can check it out. Liz, did you, uh, have something you wanted to say? Yeah. So just a, a follow on with Darcy. I know some people are, you know, they have an experience that's sexist or just makes them feel uncomfortable and they don't, you know, really want to call it out even, you know, yeah. privately to the person yeah. and that's okay. Absolutely. But if you are someone like me who's not really afraid to call someone out, you know, I won't do it in public, obviously, but if I can pull them aside and say, you know, hey, that really made me upset because or, you know, I felt uncomfortable when you said that because, you know, I think that's a really important thing to do if you do feel comfortable about it. Because like Darcy said, I think a lot of times people don't realize, you know, how they're making you feel and what they're saying, what like how it can make you feel like put down as a woman, right? So mm-hmm. if you if you do have the the space to pull them aside and say, you know, explain how you're feeling and why and say, you know, I just want to make you aware because I, I don't think you you sort of uh, realized how it can make me feel like this. I think that's important um, just to help maybe help them maybe think in the future about what they're saying and how it might make a, a woman or a non-binary person or another minority feel in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think having played role-playing games myself since I was 10 uh, and having gone through the experience of like playing with women and and not playing with women and learning also as a guy is like, oh, when you do this or when you act in this certain way, this makes me uncomfortable, right? Like those were good things to hear during formative years as a, yeah, totally. you know, as a young man. And I'm glad Somebody said them to me, so um, I would definitely just add my support for like mm-hmm. people who who are able to speak up. Uh, thank you very much for speaking up to idiots like myself, so that we can be less <laughs> idiots. Um, you know, it's, uh, it is it's um, super helpful. Go ahead. And, and related to that, I guess one point I was going to make about you know female empowerment at their best. I I think intersectionality, like you're saying, um, is another thing to be considering, right? Because like. I'm coming from a like middle-class white cis female perspective. Right. So like I've been really grateful for the people who have reached out to me for like kind of offensive terminology I've used or, you know, uh, you know, terminology that um, terminology or ways of speaking that just come from my my very specific background. Like I have a lot of improvement to do too. And, you know, I don't want RPGs just to be for white cis straight women. You know, I want Mm -hmm. RPGs, to be for everybody, right? So I think um, RPGs that I, I think a big component of this is going to be um, making sure RPGs are inclusive and safe and um, inviting to <laughs> to all sorts of people and women from all sorts of different backgrounds and uh, identities, right? Yeah, that's my shtick. 
to yeah. go off that, I, I guess it's a matter of saying, like, we can all strive to be better at yes. how yeah. we act and what we say and what we do. And, you know, sometimes you don't realize you're being offensive. And, you know, it's fine for people to, to gently point that out and be like, hey, you know, this isn't really the right way to put things. Perhaps you could say it a different way that doesn't make other people feel bad. Because sometimes you don't you don't realize that the language you're using is absolutely you know, poorly mm-hmm. worded or poorly spoken. Um, and I definitely don't see any reason why people should get upset about being called out for that. Because you know, again, we can all be better people. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, a, again to bring it sort of to current events. Leaving the bubble. Right is uh, I think I think that's one thing we talk about is is people leaving their bubble. But I think even if you think of yourself as someone who is progressive in some way or, or you know, like, oh, well, I, I don't offend people, then take advice when it is given like that to heart and say, like, you're right, I do not want to hurt your feelings. And so yeah. I will not use to speak that way anymore, um, you know, or, or I, I will, what I actually meant was this, how do you think I should say this? Feel free to ask questions, you know, um, that's a conversation starter that I think is, is really, really good. And like I said, I'm glad people have had that conversation with me. And like Darcy said, we want everybody to come play RPGs because it makes games better, it makes conventions better, and it brings more money into the hobby. So if, if yeah. that's how you have to wrap your mind around it, <laughs> wrap your mind around it that way. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 great. Uh, go ahead, Allison. So one final thing I guess I wanted to add, you know, towards the end of the podcast here is that, you know, regarding gatekeepers, um, women or, or anyone really, you don't owe anyone anything. So please remember that. You know, if someone is trying to keep you from playing a game or talking about a game or enjoying a game and they say, well, you know, what, what are your creds? I bet you don't even know the rules from XYZ edition of this game. You know, you don't owe them an answer. And I think that I, I've run into that a lot, especially, you know, between computer games and RPGs and stuff. You don't need to explain all the games you've played and all the editions you've played and all the modules you've run for someone to to want to talk to you or or someone to feel like your your credentials to play a game are are validated all of a sudden because they want to keep you from enjoying it. So so just remember you don't you don't owe anyone anything in terms of response for that. Darcy, go ahead. I just want I just wish we could have had this conversation a week ago. <laughs> like I could have used that <laughs> that advice like literally a week ago. Um I got cred checked in the most blatant of ways and I I started, I was on a panel and this guy was like, so I don't mean to be offensive, but like, why are you on this panel? You've only been jamming for four years. I've been jamming since you were four years old. Oh my goodness. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm just going to like politely explain like the experiences I've had, but nothing was like good enough for him. And so I just kept breaking myself down. I'm like, well, I guess if none of the things that I've done are good enough for you compared to yours years of experience, like, I guess it's just who I know, or I guess it's just that. You know, I, I kept like breaking it down. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like you're valued, <laughs> whoever you are. This community is so small and it's so grassroots and uh, it's so DIY. Like uh, this this cred checking business has no place here. Um, yeah, it was an interesting time. I don't think it was meant to be offensive, right? But it, but it really hurt. So that kind of cred checking can be really destructive. Um, and yeah, you don't owe anybody anything. You're here. We want you here. You are a unique human being with different ideas. We need you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need you for our storytelling and for our creating. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for saying that, Allison. That was great. 
I think all of us probably wishes we had this podcast or this discussion at some point during our time in this hobby. And I think that's why I'm getting so insanely excited about this discussion is I'm, I'm hoping that there are women out there that will listen to this podcast and go, that's just what I needed right now. Right. And I, I'm, I'm, very, very excited for people to be able to listen to this. And I hope it's not only helpful for women, but also helpful for anyone else listening to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will be. I think it will be because this discussion applies to inclusivity, uh, you know, in the gaming world for for everybody. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's really great. I feel like I've learned a ton uh, sitting here and, and, and getting to take it all in and listening to you guys. So, um, you know, thank you so much for, for coming on the roundtable, for talking about this, for doing everything that you all do in the RPG world, um, you know, for, for spreading the gospel, as it were. Of verbing RPGs. those games. Yeah, for <laughs> verbing those games. And also for... Uh, <laughs> For, for teaching us, uh, you know, about great safe spaces and, and things that people can do to make their games more inviting uh, for other people. Because I think that is just so, so important for the industry as a whole for a lot of reasons. But also because it's good for the soul, guys. It's, it's nice yeah. to be nice. <laughs> You know? (laughs) Um, Agreed. (laughs) Well, I think that is going to do it for this week's roundtable. But before we go, Liz Tice, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Liz Tice, or you can spell it Liz the is. I tweet about my dogs, um, (laughs) the world as a whole, and also RPGs. Excellent, excellent. And it is a great follow. Those are some awesome dogs. So awesome (laughs) dogs and amazing thoughts from Liz Tice. You're going to want to give that a follow. Uh, And uh, Allison, where can people find you? Uh, You can mostly find me on Twitter. My handle is at charm underscore underscore person. Um, So I mostly am on there. I talk a lot about Overwatch and D&D and sometimes League of Legends. So, you know, you'll see a lot of esports related stuff, but also some RPG stuff. Yeah, and a really a lot of great gaming conversations start off of your thread, which I yeah. think is is awesome. And you can find links to Allison's Twitch feed and everything else there, which is pretty cool. And Darcy, where can people find you? Uh, my Twitter handle and G plus and things like that are at Darcy L. Ross. You will find me tweeting about RPGs and uh, women in gaming and uh, snails. There's a lot of weird biology there, too. So uh, reader be warned. Um, I also write a little bit for Gnome Stew, the website, and um, I have CypherCast, the podcast that I that I host. Yeah, and I have learned about a ton of new great games by following you, Darcy. And Yay. also, my marine biology knowledge has increased, <laughs> like... 30 percent you'll be so so fun at cocktail parties (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right well thank you all so much for coming on the round table today thank you so much for having having it yeah thanks for having us all right that was an amazing panel discussion uh probably my favorite maybe i've ever done here on the round table uh really really good discussion please go ahead and and share this with your friends we don't really pay to advertise the show so word of mouth is a great way to uh to get the round table and the rest of the awesome tome show programs out there in the meantime it's time for our dm's guild pick of the episode my product pick for the episode is familiar's Found by Kenny Mahan. Uh, This is a pay-what-you-want product that gives you six new familiars. 
That's amazing. That is really, really cool. With so many spellcasting classes in the game, you need a lot of different familiars, and this product gives them to you for a pay-what-you-want price. Check it out. There's a direct link to familiars found over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Okay, everyone, you can find me on Twitter at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. That's James Intracasso. Also, check out my blog, my Emmy Award-winning blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. I'm talking free whole adventures, uh, spells, magic items, monsters, the whole nine. Check it out. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the Roundtable. Roundtable.